Thank you. All right, now, year of the Bible. Many of you are reading, and I appreciate that. I think something special is happening. This is the reading plan right here. I uh, hope you got one on your way in. This is the one for February. Uh, it takes 90 days to develop a habit. A lot of us know that because a lot of us have habits. Hashtag Altoids and Propel. But you, you can, in 90 days, you can develop a habit with this where it'll bother you if you don't do it. You've made it through 30, 60 more days, and you will develop a habit. So stick with it. And it's, it's, as, as we're reading through this, I was thinking this week, man, a lot of what we read can sound really familiar if you grew up in church. Right? You get to things, you go, oh, I know that one. And a lot of what you're reading right now, you, it sounds familiar to you even if you didn't grow up in church. If you've never been to church or never read the Bible, you're going to read something at some point where you're going to go, I've heard that before. And you've heard it before because it was at a funeral or a wedding or you've seen the movie Pulp Fiction. You, you're going you're gonna to have heard it somewhere. You know, they quote the Bible a lot in that movie, which is weird. Um, by the way, that's not a go watch Pulp Fiction recommendation. <laughs> Just to make sure we're clear on that. Um, I would never recommend questionable movies. So, but you, you're going to be like, man, I've heard this before. And, and so that is good because for a lot of people, you're getting nuggets of God's truth implanted in your head without even knowing that you're getting nuggets of God's truth. But for a lot of other people, for people who've grown up in church, this familiarity with Scripture can almost kind of cause it to lose its power for us a little bit. Like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Man, when, when that rolls off of our tongue, there, we, we, should, we should worship. Like our response should be gratitude and praise. But we've heard that so many times that it's almost lost a little power, even for the people of God. There's other verses that we read. And, and sometimes as you're going through your reading plan, there's going to be this tendency to, to hit fast forward. Right? You're going to get to something you've, you've heard or read before, and you're going to hit the fast forward button. If you had a voicemail from God, would you ever fast forward through it? And really, if, does, anyone, does anyone still have an answering machine in their house? That's good. But if you had one, some of you are old enough to remember it, you'd come home and you'd hit the button and you'd wait and then it would go, zero messages. That was my experience. <laughs> but some of you might have had, I mean, you wouldn't fast forward through a voicemail from God. Even if you'd heard it a thousand times, like if you had access to the voice of God, you would hit play and you would just sit there and you would savor it. Guys, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. This is your burning bush. This is the voice of God. This is the word of God. This is the breath of life on a page. So when you open this book and you read it with humility, you have the power to hear something you've heard a thousand times and you can hear it new. Like God has the power to work through something familiar to do something amazing. So the passage today that we're going to read is going to be familiar to many of you. But my hope and my prayer and my belief is that today you're going to hear it new. And your life is going to be changed by something you may have heard a thousand times if today you approach God with humility. So this is Psalm 23. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or in the King James Version it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which I think is beautiful. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely 
your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, thank you. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you for for giving these words to David so that David would write them down in Psalms and give them to us. God, thank you. Lord, thank you that this still has meaning today. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let this not just be words on a page for us. Let this be the breath of life for us. God, not so that we're moved, not so that we're touched, but so that we are changed through reading this. God, speak. Lord, speak through me. Lord, don't let my my faults, don't let my sins, don't let my insecurities stop the word of God from coming to pass in the lives of these people. Don't hold my sins against them. God, speak around me and through me and in spite of me and do what only you can do. God, be the breath of truth, the breath of life for every person in this room. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, open their ears to hear truth. God, allow them to lay down their distractions, to lay down their preconceived notions about you. And maybe today, to fall in love with the real God, the one true God all over again, or maybe today to have the first real encounter with the one true God. But Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in the house today and for what you've already done. God, in churches all over this community today, of all denominations, may you get your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So Psalm 23 is almost like a 30,000 foot view of scripture. I mean, there's a lot in these few verses. There is so much. And my brother, Jeff, a lot of today I got was inspired or came from it. He preached on this for three weeks, but I'm more efficient. So I'm going to do it in 23 minutes. <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, there is so much good in these passages right here. And then when I went back and read it new and when I listened and when I allowed myself to stop and think, when I, when I swallowed some pride and believed that I could hear this new, Hearing it new is exactly what I did. And there is good stuff in this passage. Man, David, the guy who wrote this, uh, he was acquainted with the ups and downs of following God. He was a shepherd who became a king. He was a man who had committed great sin, yet he was a man who was after the very heart of God. David understood the frustrations of life following God, and he writes this incredible psalm. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to make our way through this one little part of the Bible. And we're going to see if God speaks something new. So the psalm begins with, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In King James it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Gosh, that's good, man. Let's start by looking at the first line. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. When you see Lord in the Bible like that with capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, that's a proper noun. All right, when you see Lord spelled out like that, they are talking about a proper noun, a person, one person. They're talking about Yahweh God. The, the, the Hebrews called, called this Lord, called him Yahweh uh, but they wouldn't, we actually, they spelled it like Y-W-H-W because they didn't use vowels. We inserted some vowels to make it make sense for us. But, but Yahweh was the name of that God, but they wouldn't say the name Yahweh because their fear was if they mispronounced the name, that they were taking the name of the Lord their God in vain. So because they had such incredible reverence and fear and respect for God, they wouldn't even say his real name. Gosh, where did that go in the church that they, they respected him so much they came up with this word, Lord, for God. 
And so when you see that, the Lord is my shepherd, what that is saying is this God, Yahweh, the God who, who in, in Genesis, which you read, the God in Genesis who spoke a world into existence, that God is your shepherd. The God of, of Abraham, the God who gave this, this woman and man who were beyond childbearing years, he gave them the ability to have children. That God is your shepherd. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and this God who swallows armies, this God of incredible power and incredible strength, this God who sent his son to die on a cross and three days later resurrected from the grave, this God is your shepherd. This is a specific person, a specific God. And when you know that he is your shepherd, that does something to you gives you peace that God is the God who shepherds you it's gorgeous man and I think we read that and we're like he's my shepherd okay and I don't think that means a lot to us because a lot of us aren't really familiar with what shepherds do just out of curiosity how many shepherds are in the room today raise your hand if you're a shepherd do we have any shepherds here today Chris Neal in the last gathering raised his hand he has two goats that doesn't make you that doesn't make you a good shepherd. And I ate one of his goats. So, <laughs> sorry, you did too. So, I mean, it, so it's not, he's not a really good shepherd. Because I, it was good. But I mean, that, there's no, the reason we're, we, we don't just go, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Because we don't understand what a shepherd meant at this point in time. See, we don't, we don't understand the kind of care that a shepherd at this period was talking about. Like how far, that when we think of care and we think of shepherding, uh, you think of, of people. And, and so we've, we've experienced poor shepherding at best. Or maybe you think of your pastor. And many of you have been let down by me and other pastors. And one of my greatest regrets, one of my greatest burdens that I carry is I cannot possibly effectively shepherd each one of your individual needs in this house. And so there's times when I know you're going through something difficult and I can't do anything about it. And that hurts. And there's times when you're hurt by me because you send me an email and I don't respond or you send me a text and then I get a hundred more and, and, and I forget about it. Or you tell me something and someone else or, or I speak to 200 people and I miss one and so your feelings get hurt and I get that. Like that, that's why when we hear the Lord is our shepherd, we think, well, that's not really all that exciting because the shepherding that I've seen wasn't phenomenal. So I apologize for that. But when God talks about the Lord is your shepherd. He's talking about something that's incredible. See, sh shepherds back then, the, the shepherd would raise his staff over the gate. And when the sheep passed under the gate, they became the personal responsibility of that shepherd. So that shepherd would stand at the sheep gate and they would go through. And as each sheep came through, each individual sheep became the personal responsibility of the shepherd. He would lay down his life for them. He would do anything for them. And, and we think, ah, shepherd doesn't mean much, but shepherd means something when God is talking about it. That's why in John 10, listen to what Jesus says, and this is, this is absolutely beautiful. John 10, 11, he says, this is Jesus talking, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. 
I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says, man, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He's like, just as I know the Father, so I know my sheep. So, so begin to put these things together that this God of all creation, Yahweh God, the creator of life, the sustainer of life, the one who holds the keys to life and death, he knows you better than anyone else in the world will ever know you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your fears. He knows your pride. He knows your sin. He knows everything about you. Yahweh God, this incredibly powerful God, knows everything about you. And he considers each one of you his personal responsibility. Gosh, man, how good is that? Yahweh God, who knows you everything, yeah, even that, everything about you, and he considers you his personal responsibility. And that's why in, 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 the next, in the next verse, you realize you lack nothing because in verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. Y'all read the second word in the first sentence for me. That was frightening. Um, let's try again. The second word in the first sentence. Makes. Good job. He makes me lie down. And you know what it doesn't say? He politely asks me, will you please lie down by green pastures? It doesn't, he, de he doesn't sheepishly approach you. I sure hope you will consider one day lying down beside a green pasture. He makes me lie down. I mean, th think of the power of that. When you realize who this God is, this Yahweh God who knows everything about you, that, that you are his personal responsibility, the result of that is he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He refreshes me. He leads me beside. You cannot turn down his peace when you realize who he is. He has a peace that transcends your circumstances when you realize who he is and who you are. He makes me. Like the effect of knowing him. I, cannot, I, just, I, I feel so peaceful even though I shouldn't. Like when I read those verses, y'all know what I think about? Safety. Like I, th I think of safety. And I think of tranquility. Like I think, I think of what it, this understanding of my good, good father has his arms wrapped around me. Like I think in a small sense, this is what my daughter Kinley thinks when, when she has a nightmare. And she runs into my, 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 my room and I wrap these, these arms around her. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the peace that would come with having these arms wrapped around you? <laughs> Just saying. I mean, so, so that, that's a small sense of what it feels like, except for like take that times a billion. I probably shouldn't say stuff like that, but it's funny to me. I mean, that's the sense of this, this little child running in the arms of her father. And Kinley does think I have big muscles. And so when she runs into me, she's protected and taken care of. That's when we run to God. It's that times a billion. Like it's this sense that he has the power to protect me from anything. And he can refresh my soul and he can nurture me. And there's nothing who can come against me that can destroy me when I'm in the arms of my father. He says, that, that's what I want to give you. That's what I want to give you. That's what the good shepherd wants to give his sheep.
And then we go to verse 4. And it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. And King James, I can't get away from that. that Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Gosh, man, go home and read this in King James. Google King James first. And read this. It is so beautiful. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. All right, so you've got this one verse that says, you know, this tranquil and it's safety and he refreshes my soul and he leads me beside the still waters. And then the next one says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Like these two pieces of scripture almost don't seem to go together. It's like I'm over here and my soul is refreshed and I have peace and safety and then I'm walking through the darkest valley. It seems like they took two non-related scriptures and stuck them together in one passage. Because I think for most of us, we don't believe that those are the same place. We think those are two unique and distinct places. I'm either beside the still waters or I'm walking through the darkest valley. That is an or. I'm either here, peace, or I am here, fear and chaos. And I think the truth of what many of us are discovering about our God is those aren't two different places. God wants to take you to a place where those two places become one. Where in the darkest valley, my soul has peace. Not two distinct places, but one place. So I want you guys to do something with me for just a minute. And this is going to be hard and Shut your eyes for me. Everyone just shut your eyes for just a minute. While your eyes are shut, here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture in your mind your darkest valley, your shadow of death. Picture in your head. Allow yourself to go there. Picture the worst thing that could happen to you. It may be something relational. It may be something physical. It may be something a spiritual, something financial, whatever it is, in your mind right now, get a clear, real, true picture of your shadow of death, your, your, your worst day, the worst news, the worst report, from the, whatever it is, get that picture in your head, eyes shut, being super honest with yourself right now. When you picture that moment, when you picture that pain, when that image is in your head, be honest about the emotions you're feeling. Fear. Anger. Chaos. Now keep that picture in your head and keep your eyes shut right now. Just sit there for just a minute. I know what mine is. You know what yours is. Now imagine that in that moment, you have a peace that makes no sense to the world. In this most broken, painful moment, you've got in your head right now. Maybe some of you are walking through it today. But imagine that in that moment... There is a peace that that circumstance cannot take away. Open your eyes for me, guys. That is where our God wants to take you. Not where you love that moment. Not where you look forward to that moment. Not where you're happy about that moment. But where when you are in that moment, when the darkest night, when, when your greatest fear is coming true, that in that moment, there is something inside of you that knows God is still good and God is still in charge. There is something and some hope that everyone, when, when hope makes no sense, there is this hope inside of you that says, this moment is going to pass and I'm going to survive. My God, that's what I want. My God, that is what I want.
Like, isn't that what you want? That's what I'm not there yet, man. But I want to be. I'm moving in that direction to a place where I am so certain of who my God is that even when I see that moment in my nightmares, the next thing I see is the arms of my Father wrapped around me. That is where God wants to take his sons and daughters. That is, that is what God has the power to do, to take you to this place where hope and peace make no sense whatsoever. But we're so scared of so many things, like we fear so much. And when we ask all the time, what if, what if this happens, what if that happens? Sheep don't ask what if. Sheep don't ask that. Sheep just eat the grass. That's all they do. Sheep eat the grass and, and follow the voice of the shepherd. Let the shepherd fear it for you. And he's not afraid of anything. Whatever's dominating your mind, whatever this fears, let him handle that. Sheep just follow the voice of the shepherd. And if you are his sheep, then you know his voice. You don't have to worry about whether or not that's God. It is God. If, if, if you hear the voice of God and you are God's sheep, you have surrendered. You have passed through that gate of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the gate to the good shepherd. When you pass through that gate and his blood is over you, when you hear his voice, you will know it is him. One of the things we pray for our kids and over our kids is that when the voice of God calls them, they will recognize his voice. That our kids will become sheep who recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Sheep know his voice. Can't you imagine how good it would be to feel that way? Verse, verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And this good shepherd has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And I don't think that one doesn't mean a lot to us either. Because we don't understand the radical hospitality of the world in which this verse was written into. But in the Middle East, even still today, if you come into someone's home, you are under their protection. You are under their care. You are a sacred guest. And so God is saying, I've prepared a table for you. Like God is saying, I am your host. I'm preparing a table for you. I'm laying out this lavish spread. I'm anointing your head with oil. And to anoint someone with oil was generosity. It was kindness. It, it was this abundance of protection. And well, he said, I'm giving you everything. Even though you're surrounded by your enemies, even in the midst of your greatest fear, you're invited to sit at the table of God. You're invited to be the sheep who hear the voice of the good shepherd. God is hosting. Just picture this. Friend. Like Allow yourself to have imagination for one second. Picture yourself the honored guest at a meal that God is hosting. That is beautiful. I mean, imagine you walk into a house and God pulls out your chair for you and says, sit down, man. I know what's going on in your life. I know you've been through some stuff. I know about that desire. I know about that thought. I know about that pain. But right now, just eat at my table. I love you so much. I love you so much. Don't, don't, I'm, I'm going to handle everything. Just relax, recline, and allow me to nourish you. God, can y'all picture that? Is there a more beautiful scene in the Bible? 
than reclining at the very table of God, even while you're surrounded by your enemies. Guys, and I know, I know what some of you are going through right now. I know the pain in the house. I know, I know the mourning and I know the loss. And man, we've been hit over and over and over in here. Over and over and over, we're getting hit. But even in the presence of our enemies, we're at the table of our God and he's saying, I've got you, I've got this. You're my sheep and the good, good shepherd's gonna take care of you and God is still God and God is still good and he's still present, he's still active and he's still attractive. And in this moment, he is wooing you at his table. What grace that the God of all creation would allow someone like me to sit at his table and be served by him. It's good, man. This is our God. This is the relationship our God is calling into. And David ends that psalm with verse 6. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Y'all see that first word in the first line? Y'all didn't do too good last time, but this time I think we can. Surely. You know what it doesn't say? Maybe. Possibly. I sure hope. Surely. Surely. I'm at a table surrounded by my enemies. I'm facing real pain. Surely. Surely his goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Y'all know when forever starts? I think too many of us think forever starts when we die. Forever starts when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. From that moment on, you are dwelling in the house of God forever. And nothing can pluck you away from that. Nothing can take you out of that. As long as your desire is to dwell with God, then you are invited to dwell in his house forever. You are under his protection. You are under his care. And even if everything in this life falls apart, this is not the end of life. This is a semicolon at best. There is more to come for the people who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Surely. Surely. 